the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spot Track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off that first year subscription today. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Wednesday. It is the NFL Midseason Transaction Awards show. Scott Allen joins me to break down free agent signings, draft picks, top valuations, top trades, best business decisions, all that nerdy stuff we go through every single day here at the NFL at SpotTrack, and we've got some awards to hand out. So that's the bulk of this show. Off the top here, it is certainly Major League Baseball free agency season here. Um, I've been an option decision hell, which is a good thing. I think a lot of players are betting on themselves. There's a lot of extra free agents added here. I think we're over the 150 mark on Major League Baseball free agents. I've got a lot of them valued and projected. If uh, you hit the market values tool on SpotTrack Major League Baseball section, you'll see where I think these things are going to land here. Not so much the destinations just yet, but we'll have a show with Cousin Dan soon talking about some of those more notable free agents. But I think 151 free agents, about 40% of them have values on SpotTrack. And uh, if you're looking at the payrolls, the Major League Baseball payrolls, we've got a whole bunch of new nuggets this year. Dan and I have been doing quite a bit of work on this as we... uh, eat, sleep, and breathe Major League Baseball for the most part. The actual team payrolls and tax payrolls that you see for 2023 are the active rosters only. And if you've gone to them and say, hey, you've only got 29 teams, we're not, we didn't forget the Oakland Athletics. They forgot us. They have $0 of active payroll. Okay, so our code just basically says, all right, well, if there's at least a dollar, we'll show it. And right now they have $0. So I didn't forget the Oakland Athletics. But whenever they actually make a business move this offseason, they'll start to appear on SpotTrack for 2023. What you're seeing is the active payroll. So guaranteed contract. That's not club options. That's, uh, that's not mutual options that haven't been decided for. And by the way, those all have to be decided by tomorrow, November 10th. So what we'll have starting Friday is only guaranteed contracts. And then, of course, free agent signings from there. If you go into the full payroll page. So, for instance, if you're looking at the Mets 2023 payroll on spot track. You're going to see a whole bunch of things. And one of the new things we've added this year in the totals, both on the sidebar and all the way down to the bottom where you see totals is you'll see that active payroll. You'll also see a projected total payroll. I've, uh, I've done salary arbitration estimates for every single arbitration eligible player. And then we've combined all of the empty roster spots that are pre-arbitration spots to get to the 40 man roster. And we've mashed in all those projected salaries as well. So. We've projected out a full 40-man payroll, both cash and tax, for every single team, in addition to showing the active actual payroll that exists right now. So if you want to nerd out on this stuff, uh, you can live in the future or live in the present with these Major League Baseball teams and see where your team stands right now. Just quickly, uh, the Mets are at the top of that active list, certainly with the Edwin Diaz signing. They're at about a 160, but the Braves are right behind them, right behind them at 159 and change. That's active cash payroll. If I flip over to the luxury tax situation, it is the Mets still at 195. It's a $233 million threshold this year, for those of you who don't know yet. Um, there's going to be at least three or four teams that blow past that, in my opinion, uh, especially if Verlander comes back to Houston, if Atlanta gets to Grom, things like that. If the Yankees tap into Judge again at a big price. But uh, that's the layout right now. So if you're looking at just payroll pages, all you're seeing is the actual active signed today, fully guaranteed contracts on the roster. If you go to the, if you dive into the team page though, you can see where we think things are going to stand from an arbitration perspective, from a pre-arb perspective, and then projected 
total for active plus those projections to see where teams might actually stand. So for instance, those Mets, in terms of that $233 million tax threshold, if I break down all their 40 men right now, and they're all their arbitration salaries, 230.7. So not much, not much wiggle room here for the Mets. Now, they're not even close to done. Not even close. You know, this is, uh, if we bring DeGrom back into the fold, if we bring a player like Nemo back into the fold, that's going to get really, really crazy and really high in terms of the salary. So uh, a few of these teams will be pushing the $300 million mark again, in my opinion. But you can see where teams stand now and maybe in a couple of months based on our projections with arbitration salaries on these Major League Baseball payrolls. Let's talk NFL Midseason Transaction Awards with Scott Allen. All right, Scott. It's the uh, official midseason of the NFL, sort of. You're a math guy. There's 17 games. So there's no eight and a half, eight and a half weeks. We're at nine and a half, essentially, for an 18-week season. Let's do our midseason transaction awards, kind of our mix between a financial award, a draft award, a free agent award, everything kind of a mixed bag, all the stuff we do on a daily basis here at the NFL. I want to sort of take a snapshot look at where the heck we stand with things. And by the way, this was a super fun exercise for me. I, I pulled some names out of here that I never expected to pull out of here that I now have a hell of a lot more respect for. And look, we're going to try to steer as positive as possible, but there's been some pretty negative storylines here with the NFL this season. So we're going to have to dive into some of that as well. Um, let's start I agree. With the- I agree. It yeah. was fun because I had to actually go back and click through, you know, extensions and trades yeah. to remember Feels like forever ago, right? March. It, it does. There was so, and, and, you know, there was one thing after another next man up, next man up that we're going to get into with some of these topics. And it was, it was a fun recap, even for just for a mid season. Yeah. I asked you to pick a name. You picked a position. That's how crazy this, this is about <laughs> to be. So we, uh, let's start with the drafted rookies. Um, not the rookie of the year. Not not the offensive player of the year, you know, that not the normal stuff you're seeing everywhere else right now. Sort of it is, but um, we have what's called a TVS, our true value stat. And you know, I, I don't I don't live and die by it. I don't think anybody should live and die by any stat, even if they created it, right? And it's basically a money slash value production stat, right? We mash the two together quickly and and sort of pull a Madden grade out of this thing. So you and I have access to every TVS score for every draft pick including the ones that were just made in 2022. So that's sort of what I went off of here to make uh, what I thought was two good picks. I threw this around our room as well. The, the offensive player was easy as hell. And I think he's going to be the offensive player of the year. He may be the rookie of the year. Uh, he may be on a lot of lists. By the time it's all said and done, it's Kenneth Walker Jr., the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. And by the way, if you are not a Seahawks fan, you're probably going to want to turn this off right now because every single category is going to involve the Seahawks in some fashion here. It's just a, it's been a ridiculous year for them. I know you agree with this pick. What do you think about Kenneth Walker Jr. here? Yeah. I, it, it's hands down probably the biggest draft pick trending up outside of, you know, yeah. Alave was one that came to mind. But with lobbies on most of the list right now, and rightfully so. I mean, and and rightfully Scott, so. Honestly, right. Scott, his TVS score was higher than Walker's. It's like a 92. The reason I, I picked Walker, and I'll throw it back to you here, is Olave was the number 11 pick. The Saints traded up to get him. This is exactly who he was supposed to be. You know, this was the player that they, they thought he was going to be. 
I don't know that they thought that everybody knew Kenneth Walker Jr. was going to be doing this out of the gate. And by the way, he really wasn't supposed to be because they had running backs on this roster and there was an injury situation, a neck injury situation that, that, you know, basically put him to the forefront. There's a chance he's the best running back in football by this time next year. Is there not? Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, Jack Jones is my defensive pick. Did you even know who Jack Jones was before I just brought his name up? Absolutely not. I, right. I opened the doc and I was like, who the heck is Jack Jones? No idea. <laughs> um, it's funny because I know you watch the AFC East quite a lot. He's a Patriots cornerback. They drafted him number 121, fourth round pick. He's a starting cornerback. He's been an absolute stud. He's the number one rated cornerback, according to Pro Football Focus right now. And I know you can take that with a grain of salt, but you're passing some pretty big names to be there right now already. Um, he's non-guaranteed for three more years at less than $3 million. And in terms of cornerback pay, that's ridiculous. So they hit. So I know we've talked quite a bit about the Patriots defense, and they're getting their love right now because they're kind of holding that team up on their own. This is the cornerstone. This is one of the big reasons why right now that teams are coming into New England and they're struggling, at least offensively speaking. And this is, this is one of those guys. So I, he belongs here. He's going to be unbelievable value for them, even if they extend him early in a couple of years. But they hit, they hit defensively, don't they? I mean, their offensive yes. draft picks have have left something to be desired, but they've hit on three or four now straight defensive draft picks, and this is just another one. Yeah, agree. Okay, take us down the free agent signings. Which, like, <laughs> this was right. interesting. It feels like forever ago. It does. One is it? crazy obvious, and we can talk about him in every single category, as I mentioned, and we can talk mm -hmm. about him here as, if you want as well. Um, but I got three names there. If you've got a few more, bring them to the table. But um, let's talk about some of these massive free agent signings that happened last March and, and how they look right now. Yeah, mine through our, you know, our, our group here was Von Miller for, yep. for the fact that he brought another level of culture to the Bills that have already been forming a culture inside of themselves. And it's just, you know, next level for them and the production. I mean, he's been a stud for the Bills. He's mm -hmm. helping some of those young kids. Um, so it, it's not, for me, just a financial transaction from a free agent standpoint. It's all the other intangibles that he's brought to the table. Yeah, every single game he's making some sort of impact, even when you think he's 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 lost in a game. He shows up at some point in time and we've watched every second of Buffalo Bills football this year. So um, there's, I can't argue that one bit. The only pushback I would give you is, you know, we're a value company. We, we throw the numbers out there. We're trying to at least poke holes in things as much as possible. It was an overpay to get him. You know, they were mm -hmm. bidding against Dallas. They were bidding against the Rams. They had some big contenders out there with massive offers. So, you know, at some point in time, this is going to be a bad signing. It's not now. It's probably not going to be next year, but at some point in time, this is going to be a bad signing. So that's the only hole I can poke in that right now. Let's go to the complete other opposite of the spectrum, right? So Von Miller is the highest free agent contract on the market in 2022. It is, and he's living up to it to some degree. Geno Smith has to be your best value free agent contract. Has to be. It's yeah. a base two. He's going to get three and a half million with per gamers. He's probably going to get all seven million when you when you tack on the incentives. And even when you're talking about seven million, it's ridiculous, right? He's already he's already gotten you six seven wins for that Seattle Seahawks roster. So um, it's not even about this contract anymore, Geno Smith. All the conversation is going to be what's next. 
what do we do next with this guy? Because this guy's clearly a fit in this Pete Carroll system. And it's about building around him right now for the next few years. And, and Kenneth Walker Jr., by the way, and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are already there. So no and question he's the best value out there. Um, you have any thoughts about where this is headed? Geno Smith? No, I don't. I mean, yeah. we have a lot of quarterback contracts coming up that are right are horror stories. You know, right. And, and I, I, I wonder has got to be terrified of that situation, right? I, I agree, and I wonder if this gets to a point. NBA is my wheelhouse, so I wonder if this gets to a point like Andrew Wiggins, where he just decides I'm going to do the extension to stay with a team and a winning culture. If Geno Smith ends up. A below market uh, extension, but a below market extension. Correct. Sure. Right. Yeah. So if he feels this is the place I want to be, I don't want to be jumping around to another team or two. I fit well with the coaching staff. I fit well with the players that they've already extended on this team. Yeah. Um, then I, I want to get paid, but I want to be in a winning culture. This may be a win-win situation for Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks moving I, forward. I've done a little work on this uh, as I prep for, honestly, my 2023 stuff, which is already around the corner here. Now that we're halfway done, I got to flip the switch, right? Roster bubbles, extension candidates, franchise tags, all that stuff. He's certainly on the tag list, but I actually think the transition tag is the best play for Geno Smith, So, which is funny because that is a very basketball thing right now. Uh, the offer sheet, the, basically the restricted tender, which he's he's not restricted. He's going to be an, a UFA. But if I tell you that a, a franchise tag is going to cost about $32 million, and I tell you that a transition tag is going to cost $29 million, you know, are you, are you saying six in one, six in the other? But when I tell you that, you know, th they've got other fish to fry here in terms of contracts. They've got a, a gaudy safety contract, some big-time wide receiver contracts. There's some offensive linemen they're going to have to shore up here. The cap space goes quickly. We know how this works. So if you can save $3 million, and oh, by the way, who else is going to be bidding for Geno Smith? What other team, whether he hits the open market or whether there's a, a, an offer sheet available, what other team is going in on Geno Smith? Carolina's done doing this. Well, Indy's definitely teams, done doing this. Yeah, most of those teams at the bottom are going to just go back into the draft. There's five quarterbacks anyways. in the draft. Right. So that even furthers this point. I'm not even sure if you let him walk that he would find a suitable contract and a starting role on any other franchise in football. I, I really believe that, especially if you throw Garoppolo into that conversation, Taylor Heineke into that conversation, probably Ryan Tannehill into that conversation. Now he's with those three guys. And I don't think there's that many openings outside of, you know, going back to the draft for a first round pick left. So I don't think Seattle's bidding against anybody else. I think they can save themselves a couple of million dollars and transition tag him. And if somebody throws an offer sheet on him, and we've talked about this in basketball quite a bit, it's, it, it actually happened this past off season. Now you have a value. Now you have a valuation from another team on what somebody else thinks Geno Smith is worth. So you don't even need to, go, to do your homework. You can let somebody else do this. And if nobody bites, if there's no offer sheet, you simply have a one-year $29 million starting quarterback and you get a whole nother 18 weeks to take a look at this guy in your system and, and, and find out if it's real or if this was kind of a buzzy situation. So I, I do think that's where this is headed. It's very NBA-ish, right? I mean, we just had this happen um, with some offer sheet situations. And, and I do think it works out. That was DeAndre Ayton, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. What, that was Robert Sarver's last move as owner of the Phoenix Suns was saving, what, $4 million, was it? 
$4 million on DeAndre Ayton with an offer sheet, it was something like that, right? $4 yes. million a year. Yeah, something like that. Yep. But it, it, it's available. It's not a loophole. It's available via the CBA. So I think that's the route they should go. Scott, my pick was Zadarius Smith, who does not play for the Green Bay Packers anymore. I don't know if you knew this. He, <laughs> he was a free agent. He agreed to sign with the Packers and extend and then nulled and voided that contract and signed with the Vikings like an hour later. It's a three-year, 52-year guarantee. He's got eight and a half sacks for the Vikings. Eight and a half. He's going to have over 12 when it's all said and done, especially if Case Keenum's a quarterback this week. So I, I do think that this guy, is, at the end of the day, is going to be one of the reasons Minnesota's standing at the top of that division and probably has a decent playoff run. And it's a little salt in the room for Green Bay here who thought they were getting this guy back to, to bump up on that edge with Rashawn Gary. And he went across town to in, in their division to the Vikings, and he's certainly producing at a high level. So that's my pick for free agent signing of the year. I think these are three good candidates. Let's switch to the big money. The extension of the year. <laughs> I can tell you right now, cousin Dan chimed in with Deshaun Watson. We're going to leave that one alone <laughs> for obvious reasons. No need to get political on this episode. Um, I kind of foreshadowed this one for you. Why don't you give us your pick on the extension of the year? Yeah. Mine was all wide receivers, next man up, next man up. It felt like every two days, three days, yeah, someone signed a historic contract, and that was old news. The next guy was on top of it. And, it was and it's not just because it was an insane amount of money being tossed around, right? We now have nine weeks of production to place with that money. Correct. And if I'm looking at PFF, if I'm looking at our TVS scores, all these numbers we can put together, the, the top four PFF wide receivers are Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, and Cooper Cup. Those are, those are basically your four big, biggest wide receiver extensions right there. Devonte Adams notwithstanding. Devontae's eighth on the list. Everybody's play, If you think about it, if I just go down the list and we have like a, it's 27 wide receivers that sign massive extensions this offseason, you know, to some degree. I got to go pretty far down this list. I got to scroll a lot to find somebody that I'm like, oh, that just didn't work out. I mean, I'm, I'm going to run through it. Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, and Hunter Renfro is probably where I draw the line. And he's been injured. So he hasn't really had a chance to, to flourish with Devonta Adams. It's Robbie Anderson where I sort of say, all right, now we're into some, some weird territory because he's been traded and kind of exiled out of Carolina. But that's a hell of a lot of names and a hell of a lot of money for one position in one offseason, and it's all worked out. Everybody's happy right there. Every single team is super happy with the, with the decision they made and the money they handed out. It's just a super rare situation. So I think you're dead on that that should be the conversation. It was the conversation coming into the season. And now that we have some stats with it, it's still the conversation because it's worked out for everybody. It really has. And it's a rare that it works out so well because yeah. if, if I remember correctly, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of quarterbacks. It was next man up and those didn't oh, last yeah. very long. I mean, you're going to get so, a less than 50% hit on that. No question yeah. about it. It's just too damn hard. But obviously this is doable. Now, the, the future question, what we don't have hindsight on is, was it worth it? You know what I mean? Like, because we, we, we can get six of these guys out of the draft every year at 10% of the cost. So at some point in time, teams are going to say, all right, if there's a historic player available, if, Ty if a Tyreek Hill is available, we're just going to have to do that if, if it's the right move for us right now. 
But other than that, I think a lot of these teams are going to say, screw 25 million a year. I'm just going to, even if I have to trade up, right? If I have to give up a second and a third to get to a, a, a 28th, a 27th pick overall, I can find my Justin Jefferson's there. They're, they're sitting there pretty much every year. So that's the dynamic I'm looking to see over the next couple of off seasons is which teams stick with this plan and just, and decide that paying uh, an elite wide receiver is still okay. And which franchises just punt on this completely and say, we're going back to the draft every four years because these guys are just getting churned out of the uh, spread offenses in college football. And we can cost control that quite a bit. Yeah. I, I'll pump the brakes a little bit on that for the fact that yeah, it, it depends on the player development. So I quickly clicked on the top five just to see where their draft round was. And we're talking fifth round, second round, third round, second round, fifth round. Yeah, And those are the top five of the extension AEV. So it's hit and miss depending on who you draft, but it also depends on that player development. So, I mean, you mentioned a, a Tyreek Hill, but he went in the fifth round. So can I, it's not can I play devil's advocate, Gil Scott? Mm-hmm. When those guys were drafted, it was taboo to take a weapon that high. It just was. True. It, it, it's a different game now. And everybody knows how this works. And we're seeing more and more wide receivers shoot up that first round board. There's no way a Cooper Cup is sitting there outside of round two. No chance. A guy with that kind of catch production in this league, there's no chance he's getting out of the second round anymore. So I do think that's changed a bit, but look, at you're not wrong. You're still finding gems in the third and fourth round. So it's even furthering the point that a lot of teams aren't going to go 30 million a year, even if they've got a guy right now in house, they're going to go back and try to find that lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And it, it depends on the situation of the team. I mean, they had what Matt, Matt Ryan had Julio Jones and then they went up and got Calvin Ridley. Yep. Uh, if the Bengals, they have Higgins and Boyd. So they went and got Jamar Chase, their number one, you know, they had pieces. That's a great, that's a great example. What, ha- what happens when all three need to be paid? Yeah. That's a great right. example. So I think it depends on situation of that team, the player development of the team, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. A team could go up and get that number one right receiver, but if there's no one else around them, is it going oh. to help in the long run? To some to some degree, that's the Alave situation. To some degree, I yeah. mean that's such a battered team right now. We 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 don't know where that's headed, but um, I get it from a cost control standpoint. My pick was Russell Wilson, uh, so we can start the snarkiness now if you want. I just think it was garbage. And so can, so is this an extension of the year on the the negative side instead yeah. of the positive? Yeah, snarkiness. Yeah, yeah I I just think. Look, he's going to have probably a decent second half, and that Denver team's going to be in playoff contention because they're just too dang good. Even if they lost Bradley Chubb and blah, 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 I get it. Um, there's just too much there to not be competitive. Russell's going to figure this out to some degree and at least simplify well, things. It, is he, though? That's I the think, question. I really do think that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It still doesn't make this the right decision. And you have a lot of smart people saying, look, you got to get ahead of these contracts. You can't wait. The second you wait, you're forfeiting money. And my response is this. You own an NFL team. <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to get value out of your quarterback, you're playing the wrong game, in my opinion. There, there's a right time and a wrong time for everything, including paying the biggest contract in, in the history of your franchise, which is what every quarterback contract is going to be from here out. It's next man up forever if you've got a guy that's, that's supposed to be darn good, right? So. You do it when you're ready. And if that guy doesn't want to stay here, if that guy doesn't want to wait, Lamar Jackson's happy to wait. We're going to talk about him in a second here. Russell Wilson absolutely would have waited for this contract. And if you're telling me that it was $49 million in, in the fall 
but it would have been 55 million in the spring. First of all, you're wrong. I think you're dead wrong on that kind of a, a, a leap. I don't even think Russell Wilson would have blown past Aaron Rodgers because as we're going to talk about in a second here, that's a nightmare contract, a total nightmare decision for Green Bay. So I, I just think there's no way to justify this. And this isn't hindsight 2020 for me. I said this leading into it, that Russell should take the Matthew Stafford approach and the, the Broncos should be taking the Rams approach. And I killed it the second it happened. So I, I promise you, I'm not just sitting here looking at what we've seen and looking at the resume here and saying, well, that was a dumb decision. I, I hated it from day one. And I think all of us should have because it's just bad business. Is what it well, is. I think, bad business. I, yeah. And I think and I'll speak for cousin Dan because he's said it too in, in our group. Why you didn't need to, he didn't even do a snap and you did this extension. You could have at least waited and saw what you had yeah. as a team going into the season. And I said, all right, this is what we want. Move on. Or we're going to do the extension now. Um, they kind of put the cart before the horse in this case. Yeah, no question. All right. I got a couple of cons. I'm not even going to extrapolate them. Um, you just tell me if you need any any further uh, context. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is a, is a negative extension. Kyler yes. Murray is already a negative extension for me. Yes. I've talked about that in seven straight shows. I've got Joe Nopeboom here. Do you know who that is? No idea. He's Matthew Stafford's left tackle. He moved over there when Andrew Whitworth retired. He got a three-year extension. It's not the biggest contract in the world. I just think that you won the world, you won the Super Bowl. You have you were gonna lock up Matthew Stafford, right? You got him 40 million a year. That was kind of a later contract, but you were gonna do it. When everybody was coming back, it was all about running this thing back. Everybody decided to come back except for oh, you know, Beckham Jr.'s injury situation, and of course Von Miller jumping ship. I don't think they did justice to this. And I think this is a direct result of why Matthew Stafford is not Matthew Stafford right now. Much of that offensive line is a disaster, but they tried to nickel and dime this situation specifically. And I think it's really, really hurt, hurting their chances to be any kind of competitive in the, in the NFC right now. So that one makes the list just because I think from a, win, a contention window standpoint, again, they tried to simplify things. And instead of saying, we got to keep our pedal on the foot, you know, on, on the, our foot on the pedal here, and uh, I just disagreed with that wholeheartedly. And I think it's going to be a problem for them for the rest of this season. Scott, let's skip the trades here. Three really different names on this list mm -hmm. um, in terms of the scenario, when it happened and what we're, what we're talking about now. Why don't you take us through it? Yeah, so the pros, which is one that I had, was the A.J. Brown trade from Tennessee to Philadelphia. I thought that was a great we're pushing our chips in on Hurts and, yeah. and, and that offense. Let's take it to the next level. Uh, so I really like that one. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Carolina and San Francisco. You know, it's a trade deadline kind of blockbuster, I, I guess you could call it, in the NFL that we rarely see. Rarely. Um, so maybe maybe this will help spawn more of these kinds of trades in the future in the NFL, sort of like the NBA has their, you know, blockbuster trade I think trade, especially trade at that deadline. position. I think especially I which is an expendable, which is a replaceable, which is something that I think you can just drop in and say, go do your thing, you know? Yeah. And you and cousin Dan last week uh, mentioned about how you were kind of surprised that more running backs didn't go. And I completely agree with that, yeah. that statement, um, you know, for a, a position where it's running back by committee and they take so much of the brunt and get injured so much more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I could see that potentially being a trend in that direction if teams start to realize 
that this worked out. Let's just poach the running back from another team that is quote unquote tanking. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, KC to the Miami Dolphins. Again, similar situation to Philadelphia. You have Tua, you have uh, Waddle on that team, and sort of pushing all in, going for that that stud wide receiver to just put as many weapons around a young quarterback as possible. And, you know, it's working out because you got that that two-pronged wide receiver. They made some trades for uh, running back. Yep. And um so they're they're not and being Tua shy. hasn't lost. A healthy Tua has not lost the game yet. Yeah, and absolutely. Tyreek Hill's on pace for two thousand receiving yards. So obviously that's worked out. Yeah. Yeah, and, and notice the three pros that the three of us came up with were were the weapons. weapons. You know, it, yep. it, teams realizing we have to pounce on that next level player that's gonna get us over the hump instead of just waiting for uh, the draft or trying to develop these guys have been developed. Let's just bring them in and do what we need to, to, yep. to compete because everyone solidified the Buffalo bills as being the team to win that division hands down. And now look at the situation. You got the jets behind it, mm-hmm. chirp, chipping at their heels. Dolphins are chipping at the heels. The, the, uh, the Patriots are, you know, just behind them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the fact that these weapons are working out says something, I think. It's going to be a trend. There's no question about it, especially with these big contracts. At some point in time in year three of a lot of these wide receiver contracts, everybody's going to try to get out. So in my opinion, this big wave we just had could be a wave of trades in two off seasons, which is super fun. Um, Here's something I noticed as I was doing this. Instead of just running through a bunch of negatives here, two years ago, we had Brady in free agency, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, we had Stafford via trade. There was, a, there was a growing trend, not so much a trend, but I probably at least, you know, attention being put on if we just drop in a quarterback, a guy who we know can play, all of our problems will go away. And that exploded so fantastically this year across the league. Can you think of one situation that the new quarterback that come that came to town worked out? Can you give me one? Geno Smith does not count. He was on that team last year. He was a re-signed free agent. I don't think you can get there. I don't think I can. Right? Matt Ryan, disaster. Carson Wentz, Slight as Carson Wentz wasn't as bad as I wanted him to be. He just got injured at the wrong time. Um, Russell Wilson so far, I I would consider a disaster. Is there anyone? No, because most of the player, most of the quarterbacks that are Baker Mayfield were already on the team or disasters. Yeah. Or a disaster. Yeah. So it's not a thing. It's really about uh, fit. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota is averaging about 75 pass yards a game, um, but he is holding the fort for that team. There's no right. question about it. I'll give him but credit. That's, but that's the only one that I, that I'm right. going to be able to come I'll up give, with. I'll give you the A for effort on finding that name, but I can't, I can't qualify that right now. But you're right. That's it. Right? That's the splash, I guess. It's not going to be a thing. So next year when Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill are tossed into this pool, just buyer beware. 
All right. Or if Aaron Rodgers goes back on that trade block, buyer beware. That's all we're saying. Mm-hmm. It's a very delicate situation. It's not like dropping a, a running back into a, onto a team and saying, go nuts. It's way more evolved, way more complicated. So uh, that's my takeaway from that. Speaking of some of those players, the best business decision of the year so far. I've got three there. I want you to pick the best one in your head. I'm going to go with uh, the New York Giants. Yeah. Playing Joe Shane and Joe Shane Brian and Brian Dable. Yeah. yeah. Bill's, Bill's version 2.0. It's, cl- it's clearly working out. It, it clearly is. For a team that was probably slotted to be one of the worst teams in yeah. the NFL and then turn around and do what they're doing right now, it shows to how important coaching can be in the NFL still. What's scary is if they decide Daniel Jones is at least worth a tag keep them around one more year. They haven't even started to build the team they want to build. Right. They're basically working on, you know, borrowed time over there. They're, they're taking Dave Gettleman's players. You know, they kicked a bunch to the curb, but most of this team is still from the previous generation. They're going to make wholesale changes in some areas, and it's going to look and smell a lot like that Bill's offense, possibly that Bill's defense as well. They've got both those minds internally here. So I do think there's a chance that that Giants team could be even better next year. Yeah, you're right. They could, they have, depending on how the remainder of this season plays out, they can really slow play their their plan because they can do what they want in the draft and not necessarily need to go for that quarterback. So they could do a weapon. They could do an offensive line. They could yep. do whatever yeah, they need to. Yep. They can get all the pieces that they need to for one more year. And then if they need to cut ties with Daniel Jones and they make a trade or do whatever for a a new quarterback, then so be it. Mine is Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers getting that done. Now, look, they got helped because nobody else wanted to pay him and nobody else wanted to give up a draft pick to acquire him. But they brought him back on an incentive-laden contract for this exact situation, and they're going to be in the playoffs because of it. It's that easy. So uh, that's easily my decision of the year so far. We'll see where it goes. I got about 15 of the worst decisions. And I could have, I could have, I kept adding. Yeah, I know. And I kept adding as I could have gone 40 deep and I'm like, you know what? We could just talk about some of these. Just give me two on this list that you think are going to stand out come week 18. Want me to start? Yeah, you start. Brady unretiring is going to stand out. It definitely is. You're right. And look, it might be for a positive reason. It might be because Tampa Bay knocked off Dallas in the wild card round, right? And and got this thing to the finish. So it, I'm not saying it's a negative, but it is certainly a polarizing discussion right now. So I'll, I'll take that one. What, which one are you going to take here? I'm going to go with extending Aaron Rodgers. Okay. I'm going to go should with that. We, should we put two of these things together? Should we put extending Aaron Rodgers and trading Devontae Adams into one? of the worst business decisions of the year? Because I think it's hand in hand. Yeah, you're right. It probably is hand in hand, but I'd put the Rogers extension on one a and make Adams one B okay. because the, the, the way that contract is structured and uh, you know, it's a one year deal, but if, 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 if he's still there, then it's going to have such crazy dead cap. And, yeah. you know, could they have just bit the bullet and traded him and not had to deal with any of the cap gymnastics mm-hmm. that they're going to have to do? 
which if they would have traded him, does that mean they could have just retained Devontae Adams and extended him and then did, you know, that extension really is the precipice of a lot of things that happened in this offseason. If Rodgers would have been traded, quote unquote, to the Denver Broncos, that means Russell Wilson doesn't go there. You know, all these dominoes were really about the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. So that's why I'm going with that one. Okay, I like it. I'll I'll pick the last one. Uh, this Colts stuff is unbelievable. It it's unbelievable. it is. It is. And Frank it Reich had crazier. four years left in his contract. There are offsets, but for now they're paying that contract. They when they acquired Matt Ryan, by the way, which is only for a third round pick. So in hindsight, that's not crazy. But they they actually restructured that contract and fully guaranteed this year with a little bit extra because there was a roster bonus they moved around, and then they fully guaranteed twelve million next year. So. If he retires and walks away from 12 million, that's actually a good thing for the Colts. I don't know why he would do that, but you know, I, I think that's where we're headed, at least that kind of decision making. Maybe they split it. You know, you retire, we'll pay a six million to go away, something like that. I don't know. But um, this thing is not done, is my point. It's not even close to done. We got, you know, Jeff Saturday taking over for nine weeks, but the Matt Ryan stuff's gonna be here next year because he's got 12 million fully guaranteed. And that's his choice whether he wants to keep that in their hands or not. Um, quickly, let's move on to some valuation stuff. We track this all year long. Heading into the season, I can tell you right now, it was Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert as our top value value players heading for a new contract. And Lamar was third. None of those three are the, at the top position right now, Scott. Number one position right now, our top valuation is Jalen Hurts at almost $45 million a year. Tough to argue that? No, not at all. Yeah. Do you no. think Lamar, though goes bigger than all of them. Yeah. No, I'm going to say no. You don't. Okay. No, Do you I'm think Jalen Hurts no, because... gets the contract this year? Or does, is Howie Roseman and the Eagles going to say, look, we screwed up with Carson Wentz. We can't do this again. Mm. Even if they win the Super Bowl, no. which is basically what happened with Carson. I, I think they get it done. Okay, so Jalen Hurts it's a, gets a massive contract. I, I think the Jalen Hurts Philadelphia Eagles situation is is different. They they made yeah. the trade for Brown. Uh, they've got some other pieces on that team. Uh, so I I think they lock him in. I I I say no to Jackson because I don't think Baltimore is going to pay that. You think if we got Jackson a double, does, ta- double tag situation, no contract, or yeah, or let him go, and they just go back into the draft and and go that route. But I, if he does get that high, it's not going to be with the Baltimore Ravens, I don't think. That's that's extremely fair. All right, let's talk about the devaluation process. Um, this player had it brought, brought into 2022 an historic valuation. He's a running back. He was set to make over $17 million a year. He's extension eligible after this upcoming season. All, all things were uh, pointed towards him getting this thing done. The team was, you know, projected to win the division. Now he's down $4 million, which is kind of crazy. That doesn't happen in our system. Our math mm-hmm. is a lot stricter than that. Yeah, He's down $4 million to closer to $13 million a year, which is like fourth or fifth on the running back list. It's Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Is there any world where Jonathan Taylor gets a contract this offseason? He may get a contract, but it's not going to be what he wants. <laughs> yeah. He may be the second or third running back on another team, but it's not going to be for, you know, anything. You don't think the Colts say we're getting a rookie quarterback this year. We might as well lock up our superstar running back, even though he doesn't look like a superstar right now. 
Now he's got two more years on this on this rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Or a year and a half here. Yeah, they'll probably just ride that out. I think I mean, it's a no. Yeah, I think it's a no. Yeah. I think it's a Saquon Barkley, Barkley situation now right. where they're going to have to take this thing to the finish line. Yeah, and, uh, and it and goes to what we when they have to. It goes to what we just said with the Christian McCaffrey situation. You, yeah. you you ride it out, and even if you have to trade him in that fourth year, it's for low money. You could probably get a pick back for him, and can, you can move I throw on. that at you? Is it more likely that he gets extended or traded this offseason, Jonathan Taylor? I'll say traded. I I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and I actually don't think it's the worst idea in the world. Because if you're if you're all about getting up for that quarterback and you need more assets, why not? Right? Why not load up right now and get make sure you get the quarterback you want? Because if you're not number one, two, or three, you're going to be fighting for the fourth quarterback in the draft. That's just we know how this stuff works right now. So I think there's a really good chance that he's a trade on the trade block for the for the purpose of we got to get up into the first round as high as possible. So I, what a complete 180! I, literally three months ago. I, I would be sitting here saying there's no chance he's not getting close to 18 million a year on a four-year extension. And now I can't even fathom that. It's just a complete drop from hell, that entire Colts organization. Um, anything else that we're missing here? No, it's been, you know, we 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 look back in time at how much has gone on and you forget yeah. how much has gone on. And we're only halfway through. So it's going to be interesting to see what transpires in the next, three three months you know do any extensions hit do mm-hmm. uh, we can't do any trades but we could once we get to the off season we could get some quote-unquote trades that could happen so it's you know the nfl is a 24 7 and it, it uh, goes to show here that there's always something in the nfl well you kind of you kind of beat around the bush there uh, to me that was the takeaway the trade deadline was crazy and i don't think it was an accident I do think this that, well, the expanded playoffs have added more teams in. There's more teams invested. So there's more buyers instead of sellers right now, which is a really good thing. I mean, the AFC East is basically all positive right now. That's going to carry into the offseason, in my opinion. It's not a great free agent class. And whenever that's the case, you know how it works in basketball, right? When it's, when it's a bad free agent class, teams are looking down active rosters and saying, all right, who can we poach? We do this in fantasy every week. Who can we poach off the worst team's roster? I think that's going to be the case. So I, I do think it'll be a very active trade march, which is just exciting and something the NFL has been lacking, in my opinion, for a bunch of years now. So that's what I'm looking forward to the next uh, 10 weeks or so. You know, the contenders are, are there for a reason. A lot of it are, are high-paid, high-payroll teams. There's a couple of, of darlings sort of coming through this thing at the bottom, Dallas Cowboys being one of them. But for the most part, if you're paying, you're winning right now. And uh, we'll see if uh, a couple of these big-time teams end up paying their quarterbacks and running backs accordingly. Good stuff, man. Yeah, thanks. Have a good one. Okay, my thanks to Scott. Always fun to kind of dive into the award show stuff. It's uh, kitschy content, but it's good. It's always good to kind of, you know, we pulled some names out I didn't expect to be seen today. And that's kind of the point, right? You get lost in some of these big names and certainly on the quarterback carousel and you forget about some of the smaller positions that are just banging it out right now. And certainly the running backs are having a year. They're having a moment. The rookies, the superstars, Derrick Henry might single-handedly carry the Tennessee Titans to another division title again. And uh, McCaffrey could do the same out in the West there with the San Francisco now. So plenty to talk about. We will keep up with the NFL on a week-to-week basis as is per, per the usual. But uh, we will dive into the baseball stuff even more. Cousin Dan will be with me this weekend to talk about some of these big free agent moves. It's coming. November 10th's here. Nothing, you know, we might be waiting until January for some of the big fish to move, but you're going to have some arbitration avoids. You're going to have some trades, things like that are going to hit. 
as as teams try to uh, coagulate their rosters just a bit, knowing that they're going to make one big splash and they got to free up some tax base. So that'll be cousin Dan and I talking a little bit this week. I've got some market values to get through some major league baseball players, some trade candidates. Again, our financial offseason series is live. All 30 teams from uh, the Mets all the way down to the A's in terms of the payrolls and the tax payrolls. Some players I think could get extended, could get traded, could get non-tendered over the next couple of days here. And uh, that's all live right now on SpotTrack.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast.